We're going to continue the Then Jesus Said series. And, uh, you know, when Jesus speaks, he says so much with so few words. And, uh, and today I'm just going to focus on a phrase and I think it's going to be enough for us to sort of digest for the day. Uh, but before I get there, you know, I think one of, the, one of the greatest tensions, problems, pressures that we sometimes face is when you, you know what's got to happen or you know what you've got to do, you know what's expected of you, but you don't know how to get there. You know what I mean? There's an expectation uh, that I should be there or I should be able to achieve this or I should be doing that, but I'm not actually... I know where, where, where the end goal is. I'm just not sure how to get there. And I think sometimes preachers are really bad at this. We're really good about telling people about God's expectations. But have you ever walked out of a message, you know, and I know I've done this to you, so I'd, I'd repent. But you walk out going, yes, yes, amen. How? Like, how do we do that? I know what's expected. And uh, I know for me, like recently I returned to my trade of many years of car painting. I had an old car to do. I was freaked out because it's like, you know, I want to get this right. But it was amazing. Because I'd done 17 years in my trade, even though it's been years, it all sort of came back. We started with this is what it's got to look like at the end. And as I marched through, it, it, I just knew what to do. It just all started flowing back. What a relief. What a relief. It's different when I cook for many people. Yeah. Monday, I love cooking. And Sue and I have really enjoyed my cooking uh, over the, this whole length of this year. I've taught myself to cook kind of thing a bit anyway. But now we have Monday night family dinners. And it's a lot different cooking for eight or ten people, I tell you. Like anyone who, yes, I see all the cooks nodding going, yes, you're telling me. You know, temperatures and quantities and all the variables, all of that. So it's like I often know what I want to achieve. I know what it's meant to look like. I know what it's meant to taste like. Getting there is actually the hard bit. Like how do I fulfill Sometimes my expectations, sometimes it's others' expectations, definitely. The kids come, they want something nice and yummy and plenty of it. But often it's my expectation too. Where it's like, I know what this is meant to be like. So who's ever cooked anything and you're really disappointed because you put all the effort in and it looked right until you ate it, until you took a bite? Um, I just don't reckon there's anything worse than that. And the fact is, I think we can experience that on a spiritual level. Where it's like, I know what I should be. I know what I should do. Uh, I I know what's required of me. I'm just not sure how to get that result. I'm just not sure how to fulfill it. How to, what, what is the path? What does that look like? And, and that's, you know, sometimes I think it's very real. Sometimes I think it's assumed. You know, we can put expectations on ourselves that we just sort of, uh, They're a little bit undefined and that's really hard because it's really hard to fulfill an undefined expectation but you just live with a certain sort of sense of am I doing enough? Am I enough? Am I living the way God wants me to? Enough? And there's this, uh, but it's actually undefined and so uh, I think that's a terrible tension to live with especially in light of the gravity that Jesus attaches to some of the things uh, he tells us to be and do. And one story like that that I want to look at today is Matthew 25. 
And it's Jesus giving a a metaphor of what it will be like when he returns to earth. And he says, then the Son of Man will come and he's going to like sit on a throne and he's going to, all people are going to come before him and he's going to divide them like a shepherd divides sheep and goats. Sheep on his right hand and goats on his left hand. And uh, no one wants to be a goat because we know where this story's going. Have you noticed that? Goats have had a really bad rap ever since Jesus told this story. I think they're actually quite cute, but, you know, no one wants to be a goat. And, uh, and Jesus says to those on his right, literally we've got some verses up there, uh, to those on his right he says, Come and enter the kingdom, the inheritance that's been prepared for you since the creation of the world. Because, you know, and he says things like, Because I was hungry and you fed me. And I was thirsty and you gave me water to drink and I was naked and you clothed me and uh, I was a stranger and you welcomed me in and I was in prison and you visited me. And he gives all these very practical indicators uh, of why you should inherit the kingdom and, uh, and the people are a little bit shocked. You know, it's a little bit, Lord, when? And, uh, and then in verse 40, Jesus says, inasmuch as you've done it to the least, of these my brethren, these my brothers and sisters, you've done it to me. Uh, and then he goes on to the goats, of course, and this is as judgmental as you'll see in Jesus' ministry. This is one of the few times he talks about actually eternal judgment. And he actually says to the goats, depart, you cursed ones. Like that is really strong language. And then he repeats this, but uh, in the negative... You saw I was naked and you did not clothe me. You saw I was thirsty and you did not give me a cup of water. You saw I was hungry. You didn't do. And whatever you didn't do for the least of these, you didn't do for me. And, of course, they're judged. And the interesting thing about the whole, the whole story, and I think the main point of it, is that judgment rested on what we did, not what we believed. You know, sometimes we can, be, we can be lulled into a false sense of security that if I just believe the right things, I'm all good. Yet just about, not just in this place, but nearly in every place in Jesus' ministry, when it comes to who's, you know, who is acceptable and who isn't, it comes down to our actions. That faith will be displayed. If there's genuine faith in here, it will flow out on some level. So I want to look at this passage and, and, and basically my message is, then Jesus said, you did it to me. I love when he says that. It's really an indicator of how, how in the boots of humanity Jesus saw himself. And of course, so he should. That, that's what the incarnation was all about. The writer of Hebrews says that uh, he was t- tempted in all points as we are. You could use the word tested. It it's, can be translated either way. Tested in all points as we are, yet without sin. In other words, he experienced everything that it was to be human without entering into that brokenness for himself personally. He experienced it. He saw it. He felt the effects of it, but never allowed it on the inside and um and jesus identified so identified with humanity and of course that was the point of him coming but what he's done with this when he says what you've done to the least you've done to me he uh he basically identifies to humanity on a level that brings fulfilling his expectation within arm's length of every one of us. 
This is not one of those situations where it's like, I know what I should do, but I'm not sure how. I know what I should be, but I'm not sure how to be it. He gives the question and the answer in the same passage. This is, I want you to see me in the least of humanity. Isn't it interesting that as people, we often, we like, we can pick the important ones and we tend to focus on the important ones. And, and I'm sure, like, if Jesus walked out on the platform right now and said, Chris, uh, thanks, buddy, for giving it a go, but it's my turn, you know. We, we'd all be so happy that Jesus was here, and I guarantee we'd all act differently in an instant. Yeah. And there's something wrong with that. Because we're supposed to be acting differently already. Because we, we shouldn't be looking for the important person, but the importance in every person. That's what Jesus means when he says, when you do something to the least of these, you are do- when you serve the least, when you get outside of yourself and touch the least, when you meet a felt need, then you've actually met me in the moment. How powerful is that? How powerful is that? And when Jesus is saying this, I think he is not trying to tell us something brand new, like, I've got a new idea. You should look after people who are doing it tough. That's not this at all. This is more Jesus saying, this is what it looks like to be fully human. This is what it looks like to be what you were created to always be. Think about it. Think about the nature of God. God causes the rain to fall and the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. No respecter of persons. He blesses and loves everyone. And in this sense, Jesus is saying, you should recognize if that's what your father's like, that's what you should be like. There aren't insiders and outsiders. But where you will find me is in the most surprising places. And, uh, And so Jesus was not saying, hey, do something new. He was saying, become what you were always created to be. Because, you know, when we are less than that, like... What's the opposite to this? I mean, if that is generosity and giving of self so others can live, the opposite of that is selfishness. And and what we'd call selfishness, sin. And all sin is, if you think about it, Paul says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that mean? That means we we, we understand we're created in God's image to reflect his image. So when we sin, it's nothing else other than refusing to reflect what we were created to be. When we get selfish or when we sin in some way, it actually deletes a little bit of what it's like to be God out of our character. It actually denigrates the image of God in us and we aren't reflecting him the way that we're meant to be. So Jesus wasn't saying this is a new thing. He was just saying, be what you were created to be. This is what it looks like to be fully human. You're not looking for the important ones and wanting to be with the right ones. You're looking at people and seeing the importance in everyone. And as you see the importance in everyone, even the least of these, the prisoner, the poor, the naked, the starving, whatever it is, when you see importance in them and you serve them because of that then you are actually serving me and that is so powerful because we're all able to do that if the expectation is to see importance in the least we have the opportunity 
to do that. And the tension that this leaves us with, and I guess the question we've got to answer is, what does that look like? What does Matthew 25, that expectation, what does that look like in 2020? What does that look like now? Like it's, it's one thing to talk about over there, over here or, you know, long ago. But what does that look like for us? Does that look like a soup kitchen? I, I think it does. Does that look like a Christmas appeal, a, a loads of love appeal or something like that? I think it does. I think meeting felt need of humanity is exactly what it looks like. And, uh, and in that sense... Fulfilling these expectations, which are, have huge gravity attached to them, is actually within easy reach of every one of us. Not hard to fulfill. This isn't super Christianity. This is Christianity 101 in a classic sense. And, uh, and I guess for us as a collective, because as much as it can mean all those other things, can I encourage us... As a collective, as New Hope Church, we have defined very clearly for many years now how we do this every year, every week of the year, as a community. And we do stuff like our community care program, etc. But what I'd like to talk about, because there's many felt needs in this area right now, is our missions, particularly our overseas partners. You know, years ago, we just defined that the quickest way to feed, clothe and change communities for people who are less fortunate than us is actually to plant local churches in them. Churches transform communities. In the past, world history would show churches have transformed nations. And it all begins with the local church. So we've empowered that and empowered that for many years. However, in this season of COVID, we've gone from training and mentoring leaders and raising up leaders and planting churches to simply supporting our partners, in some cases to keep them alive or to keep them functioning. Because, of course, in other nations, they're doing this whole COVID thing a lot tougher than us. Um, In metro Philippines, in most bigger areas, in in a number of areas, they get a food truck once a week. Once a week comes through, one family at a time is allowed out to the food truck and then they're in total lockdown. And they've been there for months. And we are injecting funds from Australia straight to our partners who are ministering to these people and just getting stuff to the point of need. So I just want to encourage you, you know, as a collective church, this is a very simple, practical way that we can meet needs. I actually just got an email from our missions partner uh, in the Philippines, Edgar Bantigi, last night. And I don't know whether you've been watching the news. I, I actually wasn't aware. I hadn't watched it. But the Philippines have had 21 or 22 typhoons this season alone. But they've just had two back-to-back, uh, one that was very strong, destructive winds, and then the second one that went through that just dumped a lot of rain. And so a lot of Manila is flooded. You know, a lot of life has been lost you know, houses, water up to the roofs. We all, we know what that looks like. And, um, and it has just brought more extreme pressure. And Edgar just emailed me saying, please pray with us, pray for us. But I find it hard to look at a request like that and just say, yeah, we'll pray for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's more that could be done. 
you know, the, the need now for food, for medicine, for clothing, for all of those things has just gone to another whole level. Um, we've also been doing the same thing in Sri Lanka. Um, and so, in a sense, you know, if you've got that certain expectation of, you know, I, I know what I should be doing, but I, I don't know how to do it, and so therefore I've got this undefined expectation that drives me nuts, maybe you're already fulfilling it. If you're part of the missions thing that we're doing, you're, you're doing it. Yeah. You might not even think about it. But when we faithfully give to it, it means that we can actually meet needs. And right now, like, if you want to give specifically to the Philippines, do it. But we've actually got reserves to begin meeting needs right now without even asking for anything. Simply because this has always been in the heart and the spirit of our church to fulfill Matthew 25, to not only believe the right stuff, but to do the right stuff. Because ultimately, that's where our faith is displayed. And so I want to encourage you, church, you know, uh, you are doing wonderfully. And you are doing great things in the earth, even when we don't always hear about it. And uh, I've got a, a one-minute one, one clip, but I, I don't think we can go there. I had a one-minute clip from some of our missions partners. I think I'm just about out of time. Um, do it? Okay. Come on, let's, uh, let's just see that clip. This is from New Hope Church. Um, I would just like to tell you that uh, we are so thankful. And because of your generosity and your faithful partnership with CFF, we were, we were able to do and help a lot of people in the field. And this week, um, this will be our fourth wave of our food packs distributions. Hopefully, and we're praying that there will be about 300 families that we will be helping um, you know, with uh, with food packs, and also we will do something, you know, to the children. We have seen children as young as four years old, five years old. They are already ministering to, you know, to to their friends, to the people online, and we have seen that their people now are maximizing their time, their resources, whatever they can do right. to share the gospel of God, to share the, the gospel of Jesus online. And the impact of this is so good, and we have seen the work of the Lord prospering in our lives, not just here in Cebu, but all over the Philippines. And we thank you so much for, you know, for all of you. Uh, we, we don't usually do social media, but this time it is a platform that uh, has blessed a lot of people. And even the children are doing um, online discipleship and, and so good. And we would love to extend our thanks to Pastor Chris and Pastor, uh, Pastor Sue and the whole team of New Hope Church. We would love to say we love you, God bless you, and thank you so much. Cool, yeah. And look, we, we, got that, uh, we got that before the typhoons hit. As I said, so there's probably a bit of a fresh emphasis, you know, on, on what we need to do there. And the question could always be, like, um, are we doing enough? Should we be doing more? Of course. Of course we should. It's the sort of question that... It, it's sort of like, um, how long's a piece of string? Uh, while there's a need in the world, there's a need to do more. It's that simple. Uh, it's a little bit like, you know, do I read my Bible enough? I don't know a Christian who's serious about following Jesus who would ever say yes to that question. Uh, even if you read your Bible 10 times more than the average person, 
you would still have a sense of, but there's, got, there's more. I probably have this expectation that I could do better. Um, and the fact is, we, we can't do everything, but we can all do something. And I think that's what Jesus was looking for. See me in the least of these. You know, do what's before you. And, uh, and I want to do two things. One is encourage, you know, encourage everyone who's been involved over the years with our missions, with what compassion does as well. Um, you know, thank you. you. You are doing in some way what Jesus said should be done. Um, and, you know, you might be newer in the life of the church. If you haven't gotten involved yet, please just ask. We've got a very simple formula here, which is pray, give, go. At the moment, we can't go. We normally do. But we can still pray and we can still give. And if you're not involved yet, then consider being involved. Consider just taking simple, practical steps that fulfill exactly what Jesus was looking for. That you will see him in the least of these. Rather than us in our society trying to look for the important ones, we would look for the importance in everyone. I think that was the mindset Jesus was trying to shift when he said, you did it to me. Can I just pray for us? Just right where we sit, Father, thank you for these moments. Thank you for the words of Jesus that, that open our heart, that encourage our heart. And Lord, we do want to live fully human the divine image lived out before all men. We want to be all that you've created us to be. And so we set our hearts, Lord, to compassion and generosity and giving outside of ourselves so that others can live. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And uh, maybe you haven't yet started a journey with Jesus. Pastor Sue will talk to you a little bit more about that. Can we thank Pastor Chris?